Good day to you, and welcome back to the podcast. Um, It is a rainy, quiet Tuesday morning here, and uh, I am finally getting around to my intention to record the stuff I've been referencing several times over the last several weeks um, about a study I did and um, something I shared here uh, with our fellowship Oh man, it's been at least five weeks now um, about King Hezekiah. And I'll just admit from the very beginning that I'm just kind of feeling scattered about it. Um, As with anything, and I've shared this before, and anyone who speaks or teaches or, you know, has any, any form of something of how you present something you study... Um, you know, when you're in the midst of that study, it's so vibrant and just, you know, really alive and in, in the now moment of that is very, it's delivered very passionately, especially when we're talking about truths within the scriptures, truths that we're learning, that God is teaching us, that he's establishing in us, that he's adding to us. And so... Six, seven weeks ago, this this revelation to me of many things within the Old Testament accounts of the kings was just really resonating with me. And I'm not in any way saying that that's gone because, again, it was something added to my life, but I'm having to kind of revisit the emotion side of it. And my hope and my prayer is really that that, as I begin to share, as as I begin to record what I looked at a couple months back and began to write about, that it kind of comes back to the surface, I guess. In, In my desire to get this out to the people of God that are on the earth today, in my generation... And so that's my hope this morning as I record this. This will likely be at least a four-part series, I would assume. Um, I don't know. Um, It's nearly 10 pages long, printed, and so there's a lot of content. And I'll I'll just say, like, I don't know where to stop with it. I don't know... I don't know how to condense all these things down because as we look at the Old Testament patterns, examples, accounts of of how God dealt with His people, how He established a people, what He desired in a people that He Himself created and set apart for Himself, y'all, there's so much within that that we've got to get and apply to our present day understanding of what it means to be God's people again on the earth. And even as I say that, I'm just going to also interject that I'm going to try to not get distracted um, in between what I just said and this very moment I had to stop 
and feed my cows because I can hear them. They heard my voice in the barn <laughs> and came running up here, lowing and mooing. And I was sure they're going to come right around the corner and stand right in front of the door and uh, make recording impossible. So, yeah, I'm dealing with some distractions as well. So, that is a perfect depiction of me. I want, I want to say this so right. And so, I'm just going to ask that like, if it starts kind of slow, if, it, if it's kind of like a motor getting running, just please be patient and, and give me time to get to the meat of what this message is saying to us. Of what it is that I'm, I'm convinced God is desiring to say to his people. And it's nothing new. It's nothing, it's no new word for 2019. Like, sit back and listen to what God is declaring to us, you know. Hear the word of the Lord to his people. Like, it's some new revelation. It's not. It's ancient. It's, it... (laughs) it's nothing new it's the same call it's the same pattern it's the same beckoning and wooing and and pattern of commands to follow to produce God's intention to produce the fruit of a people set apart for himself and so I named this series This message, Hezekiah and the second chance people of God. Hezekiah and the second chance people of God. And this is, as I shared with our group here, you know, like I said, six, seven weeks ago, that the interesting thing about this is like it's historical, you know, factual. Again, these aren't just stories. And... It's presently literal. This is something that did take place that was recorded for us to know, to learn, to add to our lives so that we see something, we learn something, we apply something, we see what happened with how God dealt with men thousands of years ago, and we say, God, okay, What does this mean for me? What does this mean for us? What is it that's lacking as it was then? What did these people do that have gone before us that was right and good and pleasing to you that we can now do? And as I went through, I was somewhat worked up and stirred before I shared this here. And it was just so huge. It was such a I knew it was going to take me an hour and a half to share in, a, in, a, in, an, in an extremely condensed form. And so I was kind of like, man, God, if you don't do this, this is going to make no sense. It's too big. It's too much. But as I was, I was and, and it's, it's very textual heavy, it's real historically heavy, like a lot of scripture reading, a lot of just 
getting driven into our understanding, these somewhat elaborate accounts of what took place with men in the era of the kings of Judah and Israel. And so I'm like, what if I just bore everyone? But you know what, y'all? Like, it wasn't that at all. The kids were engaged. I'm sure the Lord was speaking. Hopefully it was something added to us that will remain. But as I was going through the emotions of like, wanting to captivate us with these truths of the Bible, I was just convinced I was out here in the barn praying about that. God, please make this come alive. You've got to breathe life into this or it's just going to be information. I just really felt the Lord saying, you know what, Joel? You read that to me. You say that to me. You read... 2 Kings, you read 2 Chronicles, I'm not bored. You're not going to bore me. I love remembering that. I love it when my people remember. And y'all, I'm just convinced of that, and somebody out there I'm sure would think that's just crazy. Oh, well, come on now, Joel. God told you that? I mean... That alone is, is the point of the principle of what I'm going to present. It's like, we have forgotten that God speaks to His people. The Old Testament is full of God meeting men. It is full of God's glory coming and being revealed again and again and again to His people when they do as He commands. When their hearts are towards Him. He speaks through the prophets. He speaks through signs and wonders. He speaks through His literal glory in a temple, in a tabernacle, in a cloud, on a mountain. That is the pattern of God revealing Himself to the pinnacle of His creation man. And this is why it's so important that we get the dominion stuff from months ago about understanding our identity. God desires to execute His government, His ruling authority, through flesh and blood men on a natural earth. In this age, that is the point of God revealing His glory on the earth. That is the means, that is the vehicle, the way, the pattern of how He Himself has chosen to execute His authority to all the heavenlies. We have to reckon with that. The whole point of our regeneration, and not even that, the whole point of created man is not to be just Christian men, God men, but to reveal the glory of God to all things under and on and above the heavens and the earth. That everything that has breath praise the Lord. So I think I am convinced 
God loves these biblical accounts of people returning to Him. Remembering Him. Remembering His ways. Remembering what He has done for His name's sake through men. Through a nation. I'm convinced He loves these accounts of men turning their hearts back to Him. And so I'm going to kind of set the table to start things off, just this introduction of reading some scriptures about, I want to try to set a table of, of understanding of what I'm presenting according to scriptures alone. And so I'm just going to read some somewhat random seemingly things because most of this is going to be about King Hezekiah and what we're told of him in scriptures. And y'all, we're told a lot about him. And we'll talk about that in much greater measure, but he gets a pretty good dose of time in the scriptures in light of of content. Because he's in Isaiah, he's in 2 Kings, he's in 2 Chronicles, he wrote some Psalms. He, he, He is someone we must look unto and glean something and add something to our lives. But I want to start first before I get even to that, it kind of again laying a groundwork of what I want to bring out, what I want to point out to those of us who say somewhat flippantly, previously I believe, that we are the people of God. You know? Do you go to church? Yes. Amen, brother. Brother, oh, boom, brother, we're brothers, we're in the people of God, we're the people of God. The generic use of America, God's present nation, God shed His grace on the America, we're God's people. No, no, it's not that simple, it's not. God created a nation and a people. And it's not America. And it never will be. So what is it? What is it God does? How does He deal with His people? What is He saying? Is He saying anything? Well, let's look at some scriptures and then think of it through our present day lens. Jeremiah 26, in the beginning of the reign of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, this word came from the Lord, saying, Thus says the Lord, stand in the court of the Lord's house, and speak to all the cities of Judah who have come to worship in the Lord's house all the words that I have commanded you to speak to them. Do not omit a word. Perhaps they will listen. Perhaps everyone will turn from his evil way that I may repent of the calamity which I am planning to do to them because of the evil of their deeds. And you will say to them, Thus says the Lord, If you will not listen to me, 
to walk in my law which I have set before you, to listen to the words of my servants, the prophets, whom I have been sending to you again and again, but you have not listened, then I will make this house like Shiloh, and the city I will make a curse to all the nations of the earth. And I just want to point out the last part. The Lord speaks through the prophet to this people. If you don't listen, if you don't walk in the law, which I've given you, I've set it before your eyes. If you don't listen to the words of my servants, the prophets, whom I have been sending to you again and again and again, but you're not listening, something's coming in judgment for you. Okay, we're not talking about the world. We're not talking about the sinners. We're not talking about the people of Sodom. We're talking about the people of God who have turned a deaf ear to his commands. Second Chronicles 33.10. One verse is all I'm going to read right here. The Lord spoke to Manasseh. The Lord spoke to his people. But they paid no attention. Second Chronicles 36. Zedekiah was 21 years old when he became king. He reigned 11 years in Jerusalem. He did evil in the sight of the Lord his God. He did not humble himself before Jeremiah the prophet, who spoke for the Lord. He rebelled against King Nebuchadnezzar as well, who had made him swear allegiance by God. But he stiffened his neck and he hardened his heart against turning to the Lord the God of Israel. Furthermore, all the officials of the priests, all of the people, they too were very unfaithful, following all the abominations of the nations. And they defiled the house of the Lord, which he had sanctified in Jerusalem. He, God himself. The Lord, the God of their fathers, sent word to them again and again and again by his, God's, messengers. Why? Because he had compassion on his people, and he had compassion on his dwelling place. Alright, so let's very simply look at a pattern. And this, man, I could, spend an, I could spend over an hour just barely getting to the surface of this pattern. The Lord says... You're not listening to my servants, the prophets. I've been sending them to you again and again. The Lord spoke to his people, but they paid no attention. The priests and the people, they're unfaithful. They're following the abominations of the nations. Plural. They defiled the house of the Lord. The Lord sent word to them over and over and over and over and over and over. By what? By his messengers, through men, through the voice of angels visiting men. Because he has compassion for them. He has a love for his people. He is a jealous lover of his people. And his dwelling place. And so we have got to understand before we even get started the intention and the ramifications. The intentions of the heart of God and the ramifications of God's righteous judgment coming upon those 
who say they are his people. We worship Yahweh. Oh, and, and we worship this calf. Oh, we worship Yahweh. And we worship this Asherah pole. Oh, we worship Yahweh. Oh, and we have some other priests and priestesses that kind of intercede for us for all the other gods, the plurality of gods. And God says, you know what? I'm not having that. The name of God alone, the God of all gods, the Elohim of all Elohims, the set-apart, capital G, God. And that's the only way. That's the only way a nation can be devoted and set apart unto Him is by making Him preeminently set, seated upon the governments of their heart and of their lives. Living according to His ordinances, His commands. And believing that His statutes are good and right and necessary. Not living in rebellion to them by having other gods that satisfy their own cravings and needs. But solely trusting in the God of the people. Believing He is sufficient. Believing He is able. Believing He is. Period. And so that's how I want to kind of begin this and, and, and put this as a foundation of thought as we begin to move into looking at the life of Hezekiah and what he knew he, is, he was created to do. And it's, it's so fascinating to me, his life, and how multifaceted it is for us to glean so many things from. that could be added to our lives and be like, this is a man that we can be like. This is someone who heard through the messengers. He heard the word of the Lord. He knew the commands of his fathers. He wanted to establish the right government of God in the people of God again. Because we know anyone, I mean, if you know anything, even if you know very little about Old Testament kings, it was, it was the epitome of the waywardness of men. You have a king righteous, and then you have a king who's horribly evil. You have a king come in and establish or reestablish the temple, the practices of worship, and then you have two kings who tear it all down and undo it. And then you have a couple kings who reestablish it again. And it's the pattern of humanity. And not just the pattern of humanity, the pattern of the people of God. So what do we do? What do we do now? What do we do with that? How do we make sure that we are found in the lineage and heritage of the men who reestablished and rebuilt 
and rededicated and consecrated and set apart. A worship and rightful awe and reverence of the one true God again. And that's what this is going to be about is using the life of King Hezekiah and a couple other scriptures to drive home the point that we must again be the people of God because y'all were not. We've not been the people of God that I see in the scriptures of those who went before us thousands of years ago. And you can get hung up on New Testament theology and all of this is irrelevant because it's only types and shadows, it's only precursors. Hey, boom, explosion. We're in the kingdom of God now because we're in Jesus. And we've made the thinking and the teaching and the doctrine dupe people to believe that is happenstance. That it's just a magical result of just being in Jesus. You are just the people of God. Well, you know what? And I want to stay on track here, but that is not accurate. God's chosen nation, Israel. And then I'm going to wrap up this introduction. But this has to be understood. God formed for himself a nation, right? He formed it. it. The way things were going, man was completely bent on exalting themselves and deifying themselves. As we see in the fall, we see with Cain and Abel, we see with the flood, we see with the Tower of Babel, the pattern and ways of men left to their own wicked ways of pride and self-exaltation will absolutely in themselves gravitate to taking the reins of their entire life. And so even in the chosen people of God, God, in, in light of what I just shared, said, you know what? I'm scattering all the people at the tower. I'm scattering them. I'm confusing them. Their language is going to be a division maker of humanity. They won't do what I told them, so I'm going to change their languages, and they're going to have to separate and disperse. Because he came down and he confused the work of their exaltation of themselves. So God then says, and this is for another time to go into deeper, but God in, in, in summary says, I now will create a people for myself. I'm going to form a people. We all know the story about Abraham and, and, and the promise and, and faith and those who will enter into that people of God reality through that pattern. Okay, but what happens? God's chosen people, Israel, we might say, well, they were just, oh man, God, all he wanted to do was deliver them because they were his awesome people. Well, y'all, they were horrible people. In the sense of like, they're like us. Yes, they were God's chosen people. But as we'll look at even a little bit later in this text, and in upcoming parts of this study, is just because they were the people of God was not automatic that they were therefore pleasing to Him. Acceptable in His sight. 
If anything, more demand was on them because they were the people of God. Do we understand that today? As we are, quote, free in Jesus? We're free, brother. I'm not under the law. Hey, don't put me under the law. Don't get into all that legalistic stuff. I'm free. Oh my gosh, y'all, that's so dangerous. It's so dangerous. I mean, look at where that has got us. Look at where that has led us. Can we say that that teaching that's been going on in the, in, the, in the scope of time, not long, but long enough to show us the fruit, is that working? Is that producing a nation of God on the earth? Really? The remnant that the scripture talks about is the remnant of the true set-apart people of God. Not irrelevant people that are bringing people into the harvest because they look just like their neighbor. It's a division. It's a marking. It's a distinction that these are the people in the nation of God and this is the patterns of the world people. There's no division anymore. You can't tell one from another. And we think we've accomplished something because now we're relevant people. No, there must be a distinction. But God himself, as I truly close this, this part, being the people of God, even when God first established and created by his own hand a people through a man, by his own execution of that act, those very people were idolatrous. We're not told that specifically in Exodus, but what we'll look at later is we're told that in Ezekiel. Clear as day. The people that God was delivering by His own hand because of what? Because of His compassion for His people and because of His compassion on His dwelling place. He delivered his people, not because they were good, not because they were walking perfectly in his ways. They were a divided nation, worshiping the gods of Egypt. And y'all, I'm going to close with this point here. That is you. That is me. And we've got to step back and see ourselves in the timeline of God's history and say, you know what? It's time somebody rises up and be and is rightfully a priest and a king who says, you know what? No more. No more. It's time to tear down some poles. It's time to get out some pieces of the tabernacle again and set them out and dust them off. It's time to shine up the laver. It's time to get the the lampstands out of the closet and clean them up and stand them up again and relight those, those, those burning incense before the Lord. It's time somebody does that. I want to do that. So I would even say, is it remotely possible that today 
a messenger of God could come through my mouth? A message from him to his people saying, hey, we are not doing this. Not you are not, brother. We are not being a set-apart, distinctive nation of God. It's time to clean up his dwelling place. It's time to return to him. And so that's what we're going to look at. How do we do that? How do we return to what has been lost? How do we return to what has been forsaken? Well, King Hezekiah will show us. He will teach us by his example. So please, stay with me in this study. I don't know how many of these I can record in succession, so I don't know how quickly these are going to come out. But please give yourself to, is it possible that God could, could help call out His body again? Lord, have your way in us. Please help us. Amen.